episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Welcome to episode 46 of Loaded Sport. As we fast approach the half century of episodes, we are knee deep, elbow deep, other body parts deep towards the business end of the season. Tonight we've got a bumper episode and plenty to go through, including reviewing City versus Arsenal. Uh, we've got Blades securing promotion. Sheffield United are back in the Premier League. I'm sure Kevin will have plenty of things to say with that. We're also going through the rest of the leagues to update where we're at in terms of promotion and relegation battles. Kempis Combat Corner, we've got a couple of big fight reviews, including Tank versus Garcia. We've got Night 12 and Night 13 of Premier League darts to cover as well. We've got F1 back after the mid-season or early season break as it returns to Baku in Azerbaijan. And also, it is draft weekend, one of the best weekends of the year as an NFL fan. We are here to go through our predictions, what we think will happen, wildcard picks and all the rest, as well as finally, after a couple of weeks of debating of wondering when it will happen, if it will happen, Aaron Rodgers has finally moved to the New York Jets. So we will have Sam's thoughts, the bittersweet feelings, the fond memories, and also what that means for the future of the Green Bay Packers. Before we do that, though, as always, we've got the latest edition of the Listener Lock-In. And joining me tonight, as always, we've got a full cast, the three lads that are going to help me get through everything that I have just been through there. First of all, we have got Aggie. Aggie, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Yourself? And he's on fucking mute. I am on mute. What? I'm very good at this, aren't I? Um, yeah, I'm bad. good, mate. Thank you, yourself. Yeah, I'm not restarting that and doing it all over again, so keep up. I'm uh, I'm good, mate. Chesterfield, last, uh, last regular season game in NFL terms of the weekend or of the season coming up this weekend. We'll get into that later and uh, what your thoughts are on the playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, big night for you, mate, with Seahawks having two first rounders. Yes, mate. Excited for it. Can't wait. Let's go then. Next up, we have got Ken P, the man who, for the first time in many a year, has got to sit up for the majority of the night before seeing a Giants pick. And also the man that has celebrated that promotion back to the uh, the Premier League. How are you feeling, mate? Got to be ecstatic, I'm sure. Oh, Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, man with the mic, you grumpy old bugger. How are we doing, chaps? You all right? Yes, mate, I'm all good. And last but by no means least of our full-time cast, Sam is come kitted out in the uh, Green Bay draft hat in the Aaron Rodgers jersey for one last time. How are you doing, mate? It's a solemn evening, boys. It's a solemn evening now. It was a solemn evening. Was it yesterday when the news broke or the day before? It, day before? Uh, it was day before, yeah. Yeah, it's all blurring into one. These post-Aaron days are dark, dark days indeed. But now the future is uh, is bright and uh, we'll discuss all that later on. Well, now, just before we introduce our guest for the lock-in this week, uh, Sam, you've changed up your attire. You're well known for the Under Armour hat, looking for that gear. And I actually decided to join you tonight. I've, oh. I've come a little bit higher. Oh, fuck uh, that right up, uh, You have. But also, mate, I'm glad you wore the hat and you can't get it out because it is. Hey, here we go. Here we go. So I'm here with you, mate. I'm joining you with the cap. This is a, a two-year-old draft cap, one of the best ones that there's ever been. Yes, yeah, good one, that. I'm, uh, I'm representing with you tonight with the Under Armour uh, Dwayne edition and the uh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, cap yeah. as well. I do, I do uh, have it on the side. I do have it ready, just, uh, you know, primed in case... 
in case of emergency, break glass. So yeah, never you thought of me. I like it, mate. I like it. Now, joining us as uh, we get stuck into listener lock-in is a man that uh, at the last minute has replaced Mr. Reliable himself, Gary Marsden. We've had no hiccups in all these months and all these weeks of doing the lock-in and it gets to him and all of a sudden there's an issue and, and we need a new guest. But Ado, he has he stepped up and, and he is ready to get stuck in. Ado, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, my man. How are you? <laughs> Get in. Ready for a big evening because we're all one nil up already. Is it? Get in. Yes. Who's, who's scored? Uh, Sancho, by the looks of it. Sancho. Live, live update from uh, from his Old Trafford, or is it Spurs, isn't it? It's top of the stadium. It is. Lovely it goal is. as well, bottom corner. Brilliant. Um, I think we should end it there because we've peaked on that reveal, haven't we? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, all right. Well, uh, the first question is is kind of been spoiled, but we'll still get into it anyway. But, but Ado, who do you support? Fucking outstanding. <laughs> by the way, let's, let's let's not move past without acknowledging that. But uh, who do you support? Which is pretty I'm obvious. But I... fan, mate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, United all the way. And and why is that? Where does that stem from? What what led to you becoming a United fan? Ironically, it's quite a, a dull story, really. I just liked the colour red when I was a kid. <laughs> That's where it all started. So, like, Man United and Ferrari, and for some reason, they were top of the league in all of them, so it was like that. It's, 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 it's funny how he didn't gravitate towards Middlesbrough, isn't it, or somebody like that. <laughs> no, just, tell me about I it. like it red. Just... Oh, Man United. Chef <laughs> <Sheffy>, United. <laughs> it's whoever I saw first when I was about six years old. <laughs> yeah, he could have gone local and gone forest, to be fair, but I'm glad he yeah. didn't. I'm glad he didn't. Grass more working men's club. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all you need. But uh, as a United fan, it, it's been a bit of a, an up and down season. The, the summer was obviously key in terms of bringing Eric Ten Hag in and him trying to uh, bring his philosophy and, and the sort of more long-term goals of what Manchester United wanted to, well, not become, but re-become, I suppose. What are your thoughts on the season? They've won the AFL Cup, dropped off a little bit in the league, but do look like they're, they're going to secure probably third place but definitely top four football and also in the FA Cup final as well what what are your thoughts on uh, Ten Hag's first season I think he's been brilliant myself um, we can't from where we've come from over the last couple of years it's been a bit of a disaster really so that's off to him really he's brought some great players and I think he's made big differences at Middle Park all we need now is a couple of new signings this summer I think we're up there at the top again um, I think we're right up there Sam you you posed a question uh, not not in, uh, in on this but just in our chats about United season and Arsenal's drop-off and everything else like that. I think it'd be an interesting uh, interesting question, Fredo, if you want to fire it off. Yeah, so obviously with the, the infamous Arsenal bottle jobbing, um, if they were to finish second in the league, United finished third with the with the uh, EFL Cup. Um, and even if it's just the EFL Cup and an FA Cup final, would you still class United as having the better season over Arsenal? Silverware speaks for itself, doesn't it? I, I can't say that Arsenal's had a great season if they finish second and don't win anything else. So, yeah, you know, that's no. what you remember, is what you win, isn't it? Really, it's 100%. No, I have to fully agree with that. I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans, you know, saying deny United fans and Chelsea fans and Liverpool fans can, you know, take piss out of this bottle jobbing when they're, you know, they've been the only ones that have competed in the league. But then you look at obviously United, they've, they've, won, a, they've won a cup, potentially winning a second. I mean, it's a big ask against that City team, but. 
you've got to look at that as a quite a successful season in the, in Tenag's first year. Yeah, I saw somebody talk about it. Obviously, it wasn't a bottle job that they've done. Really, it was just just the fact that City are so good. It's not a shame to lose to them. Really. I mean, they are good. They've been brilliant mm. for the last five, six, seven years. Pretty much unstoppable this season, really. So, not surprising. No, it is a bit of a bottle job when you're going back to back games, dropping two 0 leads, and then drawing three three at home to bottom of the table. You can't afford to do that, can you? So they, they've definitely lost it in some respects, as much as City have won it. I think it's not over yet, but we've got to assume City will go and win it now. I think it's the. Um... I think it's been the Southampton and West Ham games for me. That's essentially cost them the title, I think. Yeah, definitely. You, you mentioned there about a couple of signings and you think that they'll be ready to be right up there next season. If, let's say, two, maybe three signings, is there anyone that you think they really need to push for in the summer to, to get them back up to that level? Personally, I'd really like to see him chase Osserman down from Napoli. I think he's been outrageously good. He's probably the only man on the planet at the minute that can compete with Haaland, realistically, for a finisher. Um, Weghorst has, has done a job. Um, he does a lot of running, a lot of hard work, but he's not a striker that we need to be winning league. That's, that's for sure. It's a, it's a no from me on that one. What's your thoughts on uh, Harry Kane? Obviously, he's been heavily linked. Uh, I know a lot of... I think it's quite split at the minute. You're not, a lot of United fans saying there's a, you know, a bit too old. He's not really... The, sort of play we need to be buying but he's you know he's proven pedigree in the Prem what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Kane myself personally I mean I like the guy he's obviously a good striker very good striker but he's not at the levels that his goal scoring seems to replicate so it's a strange one I mean he's probably going to break Shearer's records which I begrudgingly <laughs> don't want to see but he's, he's done a good job at a Tottenham team that's failing him badly yeah. So I can't really go take that off to him really for that. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a United kit. Let's face it, we need a striker who can score goals. So it wouldn't make yeah. too personally, much of a difference. No, personally, I think it'd be a great signing myself. I, I rate him quite highly. He's, he's off the ball play a lot. You know, his link up play. I think that's. I think he's world class at that himself. I think it this is. is a conversation that we've had before, and I've sort of disagreed with the overall thoughts on this. If you were to like be given the option of having Harry Kane or Victor Osterman as a Man United player next season, who would you choose? Because for me personally, when I've had this conversation, if I was a United fan, I would actually choose Victor Osterman over Harry Kane. I don't know if you agree. Uh, I think long, long term. Yeah, so that's for you, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I mean, Osterman's young, he's got the pedigree, he's already established himself across Europe. I mean, the Champions League has been brilliant. The signs are there, obviously, they've not played the last couple of games for Napoli and they've lost twice during that period. So it makes a huge difference to his team. So. Good point. I think it's a long term option as well. Kane is what early? Is he 30 now or is he 29? It's about, it's about 30. Yeah. It is around there. So realistically, players play a little bit longer now and he does seem to look after himself. So you might get three seasons of Pete Kane, whereas Osterman is currently 24 years old. He's not turning 25 till the end of this year. So that is definitely a long, longer-term option. It's just how he can adjust to the Premier League. But yeah, Ada, what you said there in terms of how clinical he is and direct and powerful and all those different traits that, that stand to Haaland so well, he's definitely got a bit of that. So I agree as a, as a bit of a, you know, hopefully a main target. You, you mentioned striker there. Is there any other sort of position across that starting eleven that you think really needs a focus? Centre midfield is obviously... Casemiro has been leading the way. Does he need support there? Is there somewhere along the back four that you think really needs a bit of focus in the in the summer? 
We need squad depth um, quite badly. I mean, obviously, highlights now Martinez and Varane being out, and we've sort of fell apart of the back for a couple of games. It's back to the same old that we've had for the last couple of years. Maguire, as hard as he tries and as good as he has been in the past for Leicester, and obviously at the start of the seasons with us, he's not the player that we need to be winning the league. Um, Lindelof seems to do a lot better when he's not next to Maguire, for example, tonight. I expect him to do a lot better without Maguire next to him. Shaw seems to fill in better at a centre back role than Maguire does. So it's the signs are all there. Maguire's embarrassing to that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's, it? that's the way I like it. What would you do with Aaron Wambisaka? Because for me, he's the best defensive fullback in probably world football. As, as I think, I don't think that's much of an exaggeration to say. I think one on one, I don't think there's a, a fullback better than him at it. it. Going forward, I mean, it's not. I mean, to be fair, against Brighton, he actually did offer a bit going forward in that semi-final. But what would you do with him? Because I think he's always handy to have someone. You know, if, if ever during a Champions League tie against Mbappe or someone like that, even if it's just a squad player filling in, bring him on. Well start him just to do a job against a particular player where's your what would you do him because I know right backs they're on a, they're linked with another guy um, today weren't they uh, right back I can't think who it was uh, was it someone from Monaco a guy from Monaco yeah I think from Anderson yeah and I'm just thinking they're, they're always linked with a right back but I think Wanda-Saka's one of the best defensive right backs you can probably buy yeah personally Wanda-Saka for me is one of the best tacklers on the planet um, you saw it against, I think it was Crystal Palace a few weeks back. Zaha was almost mm. one-on-one with De Gea. And in his own mind, he's already he's had a lot of training, a lot of time with him in the Crystal Palace squad. He bottled it purely because he knew he was coming behind him and how good he was at tackling. So that just shows the influence he has on great players. And Zaha, by all means, is a very skillful and very talented striker, but he still bottled it against wan coming behind him rather than being in front of him. So that's all it needs to say, really. Yeah, I think um, that miss... Oh, go on, sorry. So I was going to say, he's got the potential, I think, to be like Bale, where you could probably push him further up the wing and let him do a job up top. He's willing to mm-hmm. take a man on. He's very pacey. He can track back if you need him to. There's a lot of options, but I really wouldn't get rid of him. I would, uh, if that's no. the course, they've got, I won't do that myself. So. I agree. An interesting summer coming up. Champions League football likely to be returning to Old Trafford and, and hopefully a push for, for the league as well and make it a bit of a... I think... Next year, we're ready for a bit more than a two-horse race, and it's been City and someone else for the last few years, so it'd be nice to have sort of three or four teams really, really, this time of the season, having it quite close, because the last few years, two teams have been 15, 20 points ahead at this point, and it's been a two-team race, so hopefully your Liverpools, your Man United, even a Chelsea, if they can get it right over the summer. It can be a really big season next season, but uh, anyway, let's move to the reason why we're here, and that is the locks, the lock-in. Uh, Adel, I've sent you over the info earlier this week uh, and I've spun the wheel for the rest of us. Sam, you're hoping to be first for the third week in a row, but we will see shortly. So, Adel, out of the Premier League Championship, League One, League Two and the National League, games played between Friday and Sunday, uh, sorry, Friday and Monday, which team are you most confident will pick up three points this weekend? So do you want to start from the bottom or the top, Prem or National League? Just, just, just go, just one team, mate, from whatever league you want. Just the one team across those leagues. I'm confident Newcastle on Sunday will beat Southampton. I think they've looked terrible lately. Southampton and Newcastle absolutely flying at the minute. Yeah. Um, case in point, winning again tonight. So Newcastle. That was my first choice for the record. Two first picks taken. Fair enough. There, I, I did have them on my shortlist, but. Uh, not, they weren't my number one pick. So, on to the rest of us before we move on to the scorers. The wheel this week has chucked up as the first pick. 
Aggie. Um, Newcastle just gone, so who's your backup? My backup is Plymouth to beat Burton Albion in League One. Burton struggling towards the bottom of League One. Plymouth with a great opportunity to go on and win the league. So I'm going to go with Plymouth to win. I like it, mate. I like it. Plymouth, one of the best home teams in the country this season. So it's a, it's a solid enough pick. Next up, Sam, you went first tonight, but you are second, mate. So uh, who have you got as your backup after Newcastle were taken? I'm going to go for Man City away at Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cop out. That is a cop out. Oh, mate, always, always a cop out. Wait till he picks Ireland for his scorer. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I haven't actually got him as my, my first choice or backup. So, in fact, I didn't have it last week, to be fair, only because Salah and another one went, uh, Jesus went out to default to him. So, yeah, Man City away at Fulham. I'm going for that one. I like it. I like it. Um, Next up, Kemp. Thank God for that. And I'm very surprised that mine hasn't gone. And Dawson, I apologise in advance. Ipswich Town uh, to win their game at home. Can't exactly remember who they're playing. Somebody might be able Exeter. to... Uh, Exeter. Exeter. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Ipswich are doing really well at the top of the league. I think Exeter are sort of hovering around that sort of bottom third. So, uh, yeah, Ipswich Town at home in League One. Uh, I will point out they were my backup um, purely because I, I believe they're pretty much sorted on their promotion. So maybe a bit of a dodgy one, but uh, yeah, can't blame I, it. So I, I don't, I don't think they are though. I think if they lose and Wednesday win, Wednesday can still do it. So there, is, there is still something to play for. Do you want that to happen? Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, you are right. You are absolutely right there. So I don't want that to happen. I'm just, <laughs> I want Ipswich yeah. to win and hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Well, my number one pick is still there. And uh, for, I think, the second time in three or four weeks, I'm going to have to take Chesterfield to win at home. Uh, they're playing bottom of the table. They need a win to secure that bye week in the in the playoffs. If, they're never, if they don't win that game, they're never going to win another game. I think this weekend, maybe other than Ipswich, they are the shortest odds to win their game this weekend across all the leagues. So... Like I said, bottom of the table, absolutely dreadful. They've got to win that. So if if I don't win the lot this week, there's not really much more I could have done. Um, so we move on to the scorer. And, and Edo, you, you do get the benefit of the first pick. So the one player that you are most confident will score this weekend. Is this in any league, yeah? In any of the in any of the leagues that you want? Uh, I've gone for Devante Cole at Barnsley. Okay. He's in good he's form. 14, 15 goals this season, I think he's got. So he's not doing bad. Took a risk. No, I like it, mate. I um, I was looking at him, but when I uh, knew that I was going to be first up for the scorers, I knew he only had to prep two. So he didn't make my list in the end. Um, I'm actually stuck between two. I, I Like I said, I prepped two, but it weren't like a first choice and then a backup. So I'm very quickly going to flip a coin in my mind. And I'm going to take... I'm going to take Chaplin for Ipswich just because I'm more confident that uh, Ipswich will win. My, my backup, just in case, just put it out there, is uh, Isaac for Newcastle because he's in great form. And I do think, like you said, Ado, uh, they'll win this weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go Chaplin for Ipswich. Great form this season. Should win against Exeter. Great chance for him to score a goal. It may be two. Uh, so, Kemp, you're up next. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Diogo Jota to score against Spurs. Um, Jota's Ooh. been in fine form over the past couple of weeks um, and Spurs are pitiful. So, uh, yeah, Jota to score against Spurs for Liverpool. 
That's fair, mate. That's fair. And uh, Sam, you're up next. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess. You were shushing me when I said yep. it, something opening specific. Your fucking, so. Opening your fucking big mouth, pal. <laughs> I thought I've got one right under radar there. Yeah, so I have got two down. So I'm gonna do the same as you. So I have actually got Tony at home against Forest or Alexander Isaac, as you say, at home against Southampton. And I am going to take the latter. So I'm going to take the one that you you mentioned earlier. And that's that's going to be my score. You take Isaac then, mate. Yeah, like I say, we're part of our top two. So you don't have to justify that one to me. Um, and last for the scorers, Aggie, how many of your, of your shortlist have gone? You look like you're scrambling a bit. So I'm guessing the seven you had prepped have all gone somehow. No, mate, I prepped five and only one's gone. And that's Chaplin, who you took. Um, I okay. am going to go for Andrew Dallas for Chesterfield, though. I don't normally back us as a team, whether that's to win or just as a wild card, but I'm going for Dallas to score for us. Fair enough, mate. Why not? That's Why not, Dallas. indeed? So this is where I might end up scrambling because I'm going to be I'm going last on the wild card, and I've only picked two, so I'm praying to whoever I can pray to that uh, at least one of those is standing in after the U4 pick first. So, Ado, wild card, mate. The only caveat is they can't be the bookies' favourite in their matchup. Um, so we will double-check it. But uh, who have you got to... Uh, who do you fancy to bring an upset this weekend? It's not particularly an upset, I don't think, myself. They are against the odds. But Salford, I think, okay. away. Um, I fancy them. They've got that bit Carlisle of... Carlisle in good form, you think? Yeah. Should be an interesting game, but like I said, the odds are stacked against them, so hopefully they get the win away. Oh, that's absolutely fine, mate. Southwood are an eligible pick, so there you go in. And Aggie, you are up first for the wild cards. I did get a little bit worried when Edo just said that he's surprised that they're up against uh, the odds, as is the team that I've selected, and that is Leighton Orient to win at home against Stockton. Oh, that's my backup, so I'm really worried. <laughs> I'm quite surprised that they were down as uh, underdogs. Yeah. I agree. It's quite a big gap as well. And considering the home form, um, Stockport they're playing, aren't they? Yeah. They were in very good form, to be fair, but it does seem to be quite a gap in the odds. Um, so, yeah, uh, Leighton Orient for you, which means I'm panicking now if my uh, other one gets taken by Sam or Kemp. And Sam, you are up next. I'm going to go, and I'm quite surprised that they are not... Uh, that they're... They're not not favourites to win, but I'm going Bournemouth at home against Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> Bournemouth. I have been I've been constantly looking throughout the night, just checking on Bet three six five, seeing just oh, what's a pound get me on Bournemouth compared to what does a pound get me on Leeds? And it's literally razor thin, but it is slightly, slightly in favour of Leeds for some reason. So I'm going to take Bournemouth at home against Leeds. Okay, um, Kemp, you're up next, mate, and I'm. Crumbling, so you go for it, mate. You take as long yeah, as you want to explain yeah, to us. Fine. Because you're... No, I don't need long. I don't need long. I don't need long. Um, West Ham away at Crystal Palace. Um, um, I'm literally just checking that now because <laughs> I've just big, seen that. Yeah, big Roy Hodgson come in. They've had a little bit of a bounce. They've got to where they need to be, but I think last couple of weeks they have struggled a little bit. And West Ham do look resurgent. So West Ham, uh, it is quite close, but West Ham away at Selhurst Park at Crystal Palace. Um, so, yeah, I am really struggling and I also don't just want to pick the first team that pops out. So uh, we've got a bit of a conundrum here, haven't we? Um, You're my second choice. <laughs> um, I mean, you can put it out there. I don't, I'm not sure if I'll pick it, but just you can put I it in the go. My second choice would have been Portsmouth away at Derby. Ooh, OK. Someone do you reckon to that one? Ooh, um, not sure about that myself. Um, Derby's recent form, unbeaten in the last five. Uh, three out of the last five being wins 
Portsmouth are just a weird team. You're looking at their form at the minute, last five games. Won one and then drawn the last four. It's, it, so they are unbeaten, but they're, um, they're just drawing a hell of a lot of games. So away from home, I, I wouldn't really fancy it. But then again, <clears throat> I always say never back for Derby or against Derby. They're a weird team to have in your coupon. So, yeah, why not, I guess. Um, I've absolutely still not prepared a pick. So uh, I'm going to go with Bristol City at home to Burnley. Um, Burnley have won the league. They're confirmed champions, I believe, Kemp. Yeah, um, quite comfortably. So maybe just relax, reset. I don't think they will, but again, I've absolutely scrambled the life there and we'll be here all night, me trying to find something. So uh, yeah, I'll take Bristol City at home to Burnley. Um, so that is the uh, scorers, locks and wildcards. So Ado to complete the lock-in and your six potential points. We move on to the correct score predictions. As always, we start with the team that you support. A tough match for United this weekend at home to Aston Villa, the form team in the Premier League. What have you got there as a score prediction? I've gone for what is probably obvious to everybody. I've gone for a one-all draw. Um, okay. I just think Villa are going to pull out all the stops to get something out of the game, whether it's a, a draw or a win. Um, I think they'll probably max out at one goal, so I'll go one-all. Fair enough. And uh, the, the second choice, we, we know which side you're going to go for, considering you picked them as your lock. But Sunday afternoon, Newcastle at home to Southampton. Have you got that down as a comfortable win or Newcastle scraping it? Uh, very comfortable. I've got Newcastle at 3-0. Um, like I said, I think Isaac is going to turn up myself. I wrote him down as one of my goal scorers, but I went for Devante. Um, yeah, I fancy him 3-0. Uh, quite comfortable there. I like it. And then the main event of Super Sunday, the team that United are currently beating away at Liverpool, Liverpool versus Spurs, typically or traditionally a bit of a big game, but at a time where two sides aren't at the calibre that they have the potential to be at, what have you got for that? Uh, well, with it being Anfield, Liverpool chasing top four, obviously, um, I've gone for 3-1 to Liverpool. And Kemp will be hoping that Joseph scores one of them, I'm sure. Uh, for that one but uh, Ado appreciate you joining us you've got just to confirm Newcastle as your lock you've got Cole for Barnsley as your scorer Salford to win it uh, away at Carlisle as your wild card you've got United and Villa to draw 1-1 Newcastle to beat Southampton 3-0 and Liverpool to beat Spurs 3-1 3 is the score to match or beat what's your prediction for uh, how many you're going to get right with those six every single one mate every single one it's happening Big review next week then when we get our first full house. But uh, again, mate, thanks for joining us. We'll we'll quickly cover those next week. Uh, Stephen, who joined us last week, I always forget to actually review it, but he uh, he got one out of six correctly predicting a Sheffield Wednesday 2-1 win. So Arsenal letting him down on the lock as well as everything else that he uh, predicted. But uh, Ado, before we let you go, mate, and enjoy your evening, we're going to give you the question that we give every single one of our guests to close the listener lock-in. Who is your sporting hero and why? Sporting hero. Ooh. Name a few. It's got to be, to be honest with you, I love Manny Pacquiao. Wow. Um, just a diamond, isn't he? The, the guy's brilliant himself. He's been an absolute star in boxing. Eight division champ. It's, it's just something else. Can't fault the guy. Love that. Definitely thought you were going uh, United there, but I like it. There's a lot to choose from at United, isn't there? I think I'd rather go for somebody who's done it all on their own. So Pacquiao's the man. I like it. Kempi is a massive boxing fan as the host of the Combat Corner. What do you reckon to that one? 
Yeah, Manny Pacquiao, one of the legends of the sport. Um, the fact that he jumped up so many weight divisions and some, won so many world titles in the in the manner that he did and fought so many times and, and was always willing to fight anybody um, at any time as well. So Manny Pacquiao, along with Freddie Roach, uh, an unbelievable um, tandem, you might say, in the boxing world. And uh, it's definitely, definitely a fair shout for, for a sporting hero. Manny Pacquiao is exactly that. Love it. Ado, thanks again, mate. Enjoy the rest of your night and uh, speak soon. Cheers, Ado. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Cheers, Ado. Right, as we crack on with football, there's only one place to start and uh, it is Manchester City beating Arsenal 4-1 at the Etihad and potentially sealing their fate as Premier League champions of the 2022-2023 season. Now, Aggie, I'm going to come to you first, mate, as uh, as you watch the game and you have been from day one in Arsenal's corner ever since they signed Gabriel Jesus from Man City. Is it game over? What did you think about the game and and what are your thoughts on the type of performance that Arsenal put up last night? I don't think it was good enough, but I think Arsenal fans all over will tell you that. I think it's just another prime example of what Kemp and what Rudge were saying from the very beginning, that, that when the Arsenal had that 11-point lead, they're known bottlers, and that's it. City would come in and they, they'd win the Premier League. And I'm I'm at that point now where I'm pretty much signing myself as, yeah, it's done. City, City are winning it. And it is winding me up because from the very beginning, I said Arsenal, you know, when Arsenal sat 11 points clear, you can sit there quite proud of, of, of the prediction that you've made, but to throw that away, they don't deserve to be champions on the back of that, I think. Scathing. Scathing. No, I, I don't think... He's... You can't have an 11-point lead, regardless of who's second place, as good as Man City are. You can't have an 11-point lead at the top of the Premier League, throw it away and say they deserve to be champions. No, mate, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way on that one. I, I've obviously been sat right at the side of you from, you know... No, I wasn't definitely nowhere near as long as you were. Um, I, did, I did tag along. I think there might have been about between five and eight points clear when I, I tagged along. Um, and yeah, obviously we're completely wrong there. Uh, so, Kempi, I know you're going to jump in soon, Brent, but you did us. You, you were right. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I said, fair enough, Aggie, you've, you've come in and you, you've, I don't think I could have said it better. You, you've given it the pretty damning verdict that, that it deserves. What I will yeah, say um, is I'll stand by my bet with Kemp, though. When City do lift that trophy, for the first time ever, I will use an iron to iron the £20 note. <laughs> I I've got to say, I've got to say, it's a shame that this setup is only recording the speaker because if you all could see the fucking look, <laughs> <laughs> fucking look that I can see on Kemp's face right now, it, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's he's like a rattlesnake, isn't he? He's just mate, waiting. It's enough to fucking curdle milk, the bastard. Come on, <laughs> it is. come on, let's have it. Let's but before have it. before we do uh, get into that, let's just point out for anyone that is is living under a rock and doesn't know, uh, the current standings are Arsenal are still top. They are two points clear. However, the key is that City have two games in hand. And I think that is the thing that is is swaying everyone towards City winning lead. Despite the fact that Arsenal, with five games left for them to play, do still hold a two-point lead. It is that two games in hand that are important alongside City. They're, they've got to play in the Champions League and everything else like that. But Kemp, like Sam said there, you've been back in City, you've been banging the drum of Arsenal being bottle jobs and the culture and everything else like that. And for me... In terms of historic title deciders, you, you always have that one match across the season that you look at as the title decider. And that is, for me, one of the most one-sided title deciding games in Premier League history. Did Arsenal, in that 90 minutes, just live up to everything that you've been saying about them over the last few weeks and months? 
Uh, yeah, but I think it's more than that. You know, I think if Arsenal get results against Southampton and who else is it that they played last week that they didn't get a result West from? West Ham. West Ham. So, yeah, so if, if Arsenal get results against these teams, there's still enough points clear that it's in their hands and then they get battered by City. I think it's one of them where anybody on their day could go to the Etihad and get battered. They just could. Man City are that good and they've got that much firepower that it could just happen to anyone. Um, but I think what's more damning of Arsenal's sort of running is the results against West Ham, Southampton, Bournemouth. That's more damning for me as the lack of character that they've got in that dressing room. Um, anybody can, you know, I think for Sir Alex Ferguson said, uh, winning's easy. It's when you're losing and you're trying to bring it back. That's the most difficult thing in management. Um, and and again, Sam just mentioned there, a smug look on my face. It, I, I'm not being smug and I know it might look like that, but I just think it's funny. I, I'm just laughing because I know that Adam's fucking fuming because he was so close to being right and fair play to him. Uh, and obviously, Sam, you're not best pleased either. So no, I think no. it's funny, but no, I'm, I'm not smug about it. I'm, I'm honestly not because I, I, I never saw it happening. Like, even when Arsenal were eight points clear, I know I can be a dick and be, like, stubborn as fuck and not change my mind or whatever, but I genuinely did not see Arsenal winning the league. Like, there was no eventuality in which I saw that happening. So, when this capitulation happened, it's like I said on that message, you know, to quote Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. I just wasn't surprised that it's happened. We've seen that Arsenal have done this before. We've seen they've not got what it takes. We've seen that they're a little bit inexperienced and they've not been here before. And ultimately, it's paid the price. Now, if they can keep their promising players and add to that going forward and they get to this stage again, I definitely think they'll be better equipped to deal with it. Do I think they'd win it in the same situation again? I don't know. But they've got the experience now. They've had a great season. Even if they do finish second, there's no question whether they've had a great season or not. But they're against one of, if not the best Premier League side we've ever seen. And that's not easy. So... Adam's right in what he says. They bottled it. They've capitulated. But again, not massively surprised. And when you're against Man City, you've got to be pretty much picture perfect. Otherwise, you're not going to win the league. And unfortunately, Arsenal, you weren't. Yeah. And uh, again, there is still time to play. There's there's plenty of games left. Anything could happen. As I said last night after the game, big plot twist. Um, Arsenal still go on to win the league, which I'm sure Sam will be the very smug one. If, <laughs> it was a no small way. Mate, after... no way. My, my chair's firmly in City Camp there. I'm not, I'm not fucking... I'm not moving back there. I'm not believing like, <laughs> What is it? Fool me twice. Shame on, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. So, no. Yeah, so I don't know why you've been fooled twice in a, in a different outcome. Who butchered it more, thing, Sam right? or George Bush? Jesus Christ. Moving to the other end of the Premier League table, the relegation battle that we spoke about a few weeks ago that was really tight. It has opened up a little bit. Crystal Palace getting results since Hodgson came in. Wolves have got the odd result that have just moved them away from that relegation battle a little bit. But as it stands, you've got West Ham in 14th, just five points off of that relegation zone. So you would say that those what seven teams are still, any one of them can be a part of the three that go down. You're looking at West Ham, Bournemouth, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, Leicester, Everton and Southampton. Southampton currently drawing nil-nil. They did get that result at the weekend uh, on Friday evening against um, against Arsenal. They have got to go to St. James's Park as well. So a really tough running for them. Aggie, with those seven teams there, Leicester, Everton, Southampton currently in the bottom three. 
still with five games to play, do you think they're the three that go down or, or could a team like a Forest or a Bournemouth fall back in and, and drop down to the Championship? I think Southampton is done. I think they're, they're already confirmed they're going to be down. Um, I know it's not mathematically done, but I think realistically we're not looking at them getting safety. They're done. They're back in the Championship next year. I do have a sneaky feeling that Everton will save themselves probably on the last day of the season again. Leicester, not Forest, it's, it's all still to play for between them. But I think it will be Southampton, Forest and Leeds that will be the three that go down. Oh, big shout, Sam. And all there, is that a big claim or do you think there's something a bit outrageous in there that, that you would no, change? No, it's no, not, it's not that outrageous, mate. They're both on 30 points. So it's a, it'd be kind of a, a dream scenario for both Forest and Leeds to go down in the same, same season. But... Um, Everton's getting squeaky bum time. Now, I keep I keep defending them. I keep saying I can't. I don't think they'll go down. And maybe that's what's actually putting them down. To be fair, the fact that I'm backing them. Uh, <laughs> Probably. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm still gonna keep it. I'm still gonna say I, I think Everton will survive. Um, and my bottom three. I agree with Aggie. I can't see a way out of Southampton. Um, uh, I will. I will be saying Forest maybe at nineteen. Uh, and yeah, maybe. Oh, Leicester and Leeds, I think it's flipper. I can't really call it, to be honest. Leicester or Leeds, I'm going to say in the, the third one. That's fair. And, and as we move on to the next subject, I'm going to bring Kent back in for this one because we're talking about teams that are going down. But uh, one of the teams that are going to be coming up to replace those is uh, the Mighty Blade, Sheffield United, who at time of, time of recording last night secured a promotion by winning 2-0 at home to West Brom. Uh, topsy turvy week for you, Kemp. You, you went to you went to London on Saturday to to watch them against Man City in the FA Cup semi final, uh, a, a game that you never realistically saw yourself winning. But you got the day out, and then they they didn't have the hangover that so many teams have had over in the past, where they've really struggled to get over the line because of something that's happened elsewhere. It could have happened. They've got the job done. Talk to us about your week, mate, as a Sheffield United fan, and and how you're feeling after the result last night. Yeah, I think it's difficult because how many games have we got left to play? Three or four, I think, um, yeah. now. So we've got it done pretty early, which is very unlike Sheffield United. That's not something that we usually do. Um, but yeah, we had a great day out on, on Saturday um, to watch to watch us down at Wembley against Man City. Realistically, never going to win. But do you know what? If you go down and it happens, then it's probably the greatest day of your life. Ultimately, I think everybody who went down and, and sort of came away from the stadium on Saturday on the way out of Wembley, they were all singing the blades going up. So it, it was a strange one because, yes, we had that disappointment. But then as soon as we got out of the stadium, it was like, oh, we could be going up on Wednesday. So we're all right. We're fine. We're good. Let's get in the car and go home. So, yeah, it was a strange week. Like you say, topsy-turvy. Always great to see the team at Wembley. And, yeah, we got outplayed. Yeah, we got battered. But bloody hell, it's Man City. So Can, you, can, you, can you imagine if Njai um, uh, Gidget lead two minutes in? Can you imagine? Well... Oh. It's an interesting one, that one, because from where I was sat, there was like a, a, a body of players in the way of Njai and, and the shot that he took. So I couldn't really see it properly from my angle. And all the rest of the blades at the other end of the stadium were, <gasps> but, and I was like, oh, we're that close. But I didn't even see it. And then I saw it on the replay after, oh my God. So it would have been, a, it would have been a tremendous, mighty pop. But I think... We would have enjoyed it, but then I think about 30 seconds after, we'd have been like, oh, my God, we've just made him angry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the Hulk when he's angry. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. I'm, I'm so, so happy that we, we did it. We're back. Um, 
a lot of people wrote us off. I think earlier in the season, we had a little bit of a dodgy spell. We started well, had a bit of a dodgy spell and then came back. Um, but uh, the vast majority of the blades stuck with Paul Eckebottom and Stuart McCall's ability to, to get us to where we needed to be. And they've done that. Um, credit to Burnley, they ran away with it from the very start, to be fair. Um, pretty much, and, and Vincent Company deserves all the credit that he's going to get for, for getting them winning the league in such dominant fashion. But you know what? Sheffield United have done it as well. We're in the Premier League next season. We've got some fantastic young players. We've got, you know, Sanderberg, Gilliman and Jai, John Egan, all Premier League quality players. And I'm really delighted that we're going to be playing in the Premier League next season. But I'm also delighted that because we're in the Premier League, these players are probably going to stay which is great because yeah. if not, those they're gone. These guys are gone. So it's really, really good that we're back. I'm so, so happy that we are. Delighted for everybody at the club. Delighted for all the fans. We deserve it. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing seeing how we get on in the Premier League next season. Hopefully, we uh, we replicate the first season under Chris Wilder and finish a, a steady top half. But we'll uh, we'll see. Maybe that's a bit yeah. ambitious. You never know, mate. And if it gives you a little bit of hope, Burnley conceded double the amount of goals that you did against City in the Cup. So uh, that's that, that's got to give you a little tingle in the belly uh, somewhere along the way. But uh, as we move down into League One, Sam, I'm going to come to you for this as a Derby fan. They're, they're in and out of the playoff spots. We know how tight it is for those two automatic promotion spots. What are your thoughts at the minute as a Derby fan, how the top of that table looks? And, and do you think by the end of the season, you're going to be one of the teams in the playoffs and ultimately, do you think you've got enough to get up? Um, I've been to and fro again. Um, I think we probably will have enough just to maybe see off, you know, and get into, see off Peterborough and get into that last, uh, last playoff spot. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to do it in the playoffs. I think, Sheffield, I think Chef Wednesday have got a better squad than us overall. We've got a quite shallow team. Um, We've got a lot of old players. I think we probably ideally could do with just stabilising this this year and just just making a full squad of it. Get because obviously a lot of these players you've got to remember is the Liam Senior players. They're not even um, Paul Warren's players. So get get him a squad. What the players that player he actually wants, uh, and then we'll, we'll go again. And I, I I truly believe if we don't go up this year, I think we'll be favourites to probably one of the favourites to win the league next year. I'd say so. I don't. I wouldn't be, you know, too remiss if we did miss out on the playoffs altogether, or if we, you know, got got beat in the playoffs. But it's been a much better season than I thought it had. It would be. I think I said to Kemp at the beginning of the season, just you know, just be having a club, just surviving this year. Just you know, don't fall like a stone. What a lot of clubs do, and you end up in fucking national league before you know. But no, uh, don't, don't do that. So we, we've done well to do that. We've obviously had the infrastructure and obviously uh, Mr. Klaus, the class owner that we've, that's bought us, David Klaus, he, um, he, he should have a night up, to be honest, what he's done for City. And and yeah, back but back to the league, I, I'd be... Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too upset if we if we did end up slightly you know missing out on promotion whether it be a playoff loss or or not making the playoffs it wouldn't be the end of the world for us. That's fair. And uh, we'll very quickly move into League Two. We have we're not representing uh, or we're not represented by a team there. But Aggie, I'm going to come to you because very similar to League One, other than Leighton Orient, it's tight for that automatic promotion spot. There are a lot of teams fighting to get in the playoffs as well. One of those being Mansfield now. If Chesterfield go yet another year um, of having to play non-league football and, and Mansfield end up in, in League One through the playoffs, how does that look and how does that feel as a Chesterfield fan? Honestly, mate, I really do not give a shit. 
where Mansfield are, what Mansfield are doing. I don't pay attention to that. I'm bothered about what Chesterfield are doing. But for, for the sake of us going up, because I'm confident that we will, um, leave Mansfield outside the playoffs. Let's have uh, two games against them next season. I just want to revisit that. You, you are on, on, honestly, hand on heart, confident you're going up over Notts County in the playoffs. Hand on heart, I am confident we are going to Wembley. What That's not what I'm asking. Is That's not what I'm asking. No, no, no mate, Wembley. I'm, I'm trying to answer your question if you stop interrupting me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'd get to Wembley and we've it's already not a Wembley. outplayed. What? It's not a Wembley, is it? Yeah, because it's a Wembley. It's, it went at Wembley last year. I mean, it's not Wembley this year. Is it definitely at Wembley? It's definitely yeah, at Wembley. Yeah, yeah. So is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Kevin, begrudgingly backing him up. Kevin <laughs> <laughs> was shaking his head like, and I'm like, I didn't think it were at Wembley. No, I was year. shaking my head at you saying it's not at Wembley. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <sorry. laughs> I'm bad. Part-time supporters we get. Um, yeah, so I think that we'll get to Wembley and when we go up against County, we've already taken the game to them on two occasions, so I think we'll be able to give them a strong game and on our day, I think we could beat anybody in this league, including Wrexham and County, so yeah. yeah I've got a question for you, Adam, on the back of that, just very okay. quickly. I listen to local radio, uh, BBC Radio Sheffield, they do fantastic coverage of the local teams in the area mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to Radio Sheffield yesterday evening a uh, little bit of build-up and coverage before the Sheffield United match. Um, and I think one of the reporters had said they'd had a conversation with Paul Cook, who is Chesterfield's manager. Mm-hmm. And Chesterfield, apparently, according to Paul Cook, he can't trust his players. That's him saying that, that he can't trust his players to perform consistently. Yep. Do you think, and again, who am I to question Paul Cook? He's been a very successful manager. But do you think that's a bit of a damning indictment of your players and the fact that in some games this season that they really should have won, they've not and they've bottled it a little bit? You think I'd be better to answer that because I've actually seen them play more than Aggie this year. Oh, yeah. You won't be seeing them at Wembley, though. You won't know where you're going, will you? Going <laughs> <laughs> out swinging tonight, Adam. Very um, No, I've, I've, he's always said that. He's, he said that when he was with us previously when we were in League One, he took us to the playoffs that he didn't have confidence in the players and their performances, the consistency that they had. I think, like Skin will probably tell you as well, we haven't been consistent throughout this year and that's what's really cost us having solidified third place before the final game of the season. Notts County and Wrexham are in a different league. They, they are in two incredible sides, but I'm, if we had the consistency, we'd be up there battling with them because we have the talent in this squad. We just, like, like Paul Cook says, we don't have the consistency, but he's the manager and it's his job to make sure that there is the consistency there. I just, know, actually, somewhere, I just know somewhere some Mansfield fans watching this thinking, well, where the fuck's this Mansfield coverage that we just mentioned? <laughs> I don't know why you've come yeah. to ask. It's like asking Kev about Wednesday. He didn't give a shit. Well, I, I thought you might go a bit mad about it if but nah. Gazza weren't here, so I was hoping to ask him, but it is what it is. Do with me what they do. But we are moving into the National League anyway. And I will just point out as a little bit of a different side of the coin to that, as we've said a few times, I've seen quite a few Chesterfield games this season. And I do have to say some of the tactics I'm not really sure about in terms of approach, in terms of at times playing like, trying to play like prime Barcelona and passing it around the box. I've seen team, I've seen games where they've had two big fuckers up top and they're too busy passing it around the box, like get it in the box. Like So there are games where 
I do think it, it's not been down to the players, but the, the tactics that they've been given that have, uh, have let them down. But anyway, um, as we do move into and stay in the National League, a lot of stuff has happened this weekend, or this last week, should I say, and, and probably the most covered one is Wrexham's promotion uh, to, well, back to league football, securing that after winning 3-1 against Boreham Wood last weekend. Now, We've spoken quite a bit about Wrexham. Naturally, the, the press that they've got and the attention that they've had this season for obvious reasons has been has been rife. But the work that's been put in and the money that's been put in has paid off. Now, Aggie, you've been very, very, very... I don't even know what the word is, but um, I suppose opinionated about your thoughts about how they've gone about getting promoted. To put it on record, mate, for me... They might have had money. They might have brought in players that are a bit above the level, but they still have had to win games. What are your thoughts about what they've done this season? And, and ultimately, do you think they are deserved champions for the way they've played? In the way they've played, yes. I think they are very deserved champions. Their Mornots County will be very deserved champions. They've been, like we say, consistent throughout the year. They've performed very well. The way in which they've gone about getting some of them players... I have left a bit questionable that stuff like uh, Mullin moving down from League One after winning League Two Player of the Year to play in the National League with, with, with Wrexham. And now it's been spoken about as if he's like the creme de la creme of strikers, but he's moved down from League One to the National League. So it, I question it a little bit. Some of the wages that I've heard rumour of, I don't know how much is it solidified but or, or is true, but the, uh, the rumour of the wages that they've been playing, people like uh, Ben Foster, who joined, of course, towards the end of the season, and Mullin's another one. Um, Ollie Palmer, who moved down from the Football League to play for them, um, them kind of players. So I'm not quite sure on that side of things. I don't like how they've gone about it, but in terms of what they've done on the pitch, it, it's hard to argue with it. They finished on 110 points with a game left to go, with a game still left to go. Um, Sam, just piss off. Um, I can't even focus. I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, Wrexham, mate. Well, they deserve champions. Yes, mate. They deserve champions. I just. I don't like the fact that BT Sport, and I'll, I'll call them out on it, are speaking about it as if it's breaking news and, and like Hollywood's done it and it's unbelievable, like an incredible story when they've been bought out by um, owners that have a fair amount of money behind them that have obviously pumped a lot of that money into the players and the club as well. Um, and they've done, they've done well with it. But then BT I don't think you can like... fault their commitment to the cause, though, do, do you? Like they, they've, they've been so invested in, in the club and the wider community. Like I do think, yes, as, a, as an outside fan looking in, you, you want to feel like you're playing on a level playing field to give yourself the best chance of getting up. But in terms of getting money invested into the club, I do think they've gone about it the right way. Um, no, I, I mean, when... Uh, I've, got him. I've got him, I've got him on the ropes. When owners with money buy a club, there's always going to be the... They, they've done it the right way. They're going to spend money, and, and fair enough. And people think that maybe I'm being a bit salty, maybe I'm a bit bitter. Definitely being a bit salty. They didn't buy us. But at the same it's time, so jealous. I just... I don't like the media attention they've got, as if, like, it, it's a big upset. Everyone's surprised that Wrexham from out of nowhere have done, like, this incredible story just because they're owned by two actors. It, it, I, I, don't, I, I don't think... I don't think it's... Everyone's classing it as an upset. I don't. I don't think that's it. Everyone's well aware that they're favourites to win that league from from the start of this season. But I just think, obviously, let's be fair. Wrexham have been through mill over these last fifteen years. They nearly went. Yeah. They nearly went bust. Um, it's a pretty rundown community. Um, but it's really backed by the fans. And obviously, they've had this um, this what they call it, like a committee that's ended up saving them. And then they yeah. took it over from that committee. I've, I've done a few. I know. I think Kent's watched that. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham. 
brilliant documentary if you've not seen it. And um, yeah, after watching that, I just think, like you say, Dawson, you're, you're dead right. They, they have gone about it the right way. And it, it looks like they are genuinely pouring their heart and soul into that project of Wrexham. Yeah. And it's, uh, I do think it's quite quite uh, warming to see that it's, well, I think it's quite exciting actually to see just how far they can go up the league. So I'll definitely be uh, keeping an eye on them myself. But I think, I, I've got to admit, I, I do think, Aggie, I do think you're being a bit salty there, mate. I've only got one question on the back of that from Adam. And, and from what you said there, Sam, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, I think from what Ryan Reynolds says and the way that he comes across specifically, I think he's got a lot of respect for the game and I think they have done it in the right way. If you do want to come into a club and invest your money, you, you are within your rights to do so, as long as you do it within financial fair play. The only thing I've really got to say there, Adam, is I know I know you love your chips. Right? I know you do. <laughs> but please just chill out on the salt, OK? I'm concerned about you. Don't be, mate. I'm not... It's difficult. I don't like the way the media is giving it all the attention that I don't think is necessarily deserved. Yep, they've won the league. Yep, they've got back to the the football league. But then, obviously, using them to put them on FIFA, uh, BT Sport changing all of the contracts with all the teams within the club to be able to allow other sides to stream just so Wrexham can do it to America. I think. But that's want... an opportunity, Adam. That's it an is, opportunity but, but for Chesterfield those... as well. Yes, but yeah, no, no, it wasn't. They've not been a gatekeeper for that. They've, they've brought everyone into no, that. No, it is. No, Adam, no, no, no. You're looking at it this the wrong way, Adam. You really uh, are. And we the, the problem is the National League, right, is that there's no distribution. There's no way of seeing it, right? BT Sport, this show, not that many national games a year, and you don't get much money for it. These teams in the National League, they're struggling for their fucking survival a lot of the time. Chesterfield included until not yeah. long ago, Adam, don't forget. No, no. So what Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are doing, bringing these streaming opportunities in for, for Chesterfield, among other clubs, to potentially jump on the back of the bandwagon that Wrexham have started because of this. You know, Ryan Reynolds is starting those conversations. And if it means that Chesterfield are going to be able to, you know, jump on the back of that and get a little bit of extra revenue apart from all the fucking ridiculous gate fees that they fucking charge, then yeah. th that's an opportunity for you as well, mate. So I understand why you're salty. I understand that they've come in and that they've took over a club and it's not Chesterfield, right? But at the same time, you also need to look at it and think, well, actually, yeah, I would love for that to be us. But actually, if you look at what they've done, we've got more opportunities now on the back of them coming in and it's actually a good thing for the league. But then my question yeah. is, why, where was this streaming opportunity before Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, but the thing is, it's not going to be. Ryan there was Reynolds no interest. Used his platform. Ryan yeah. Reynolds has used his platform as a movie star, as somebody in that entertainment industry, to say, right, this is what should happen. I come from this industry. I think this is what this 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 should happen. You know, if 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 Dave from you know who owns bloody I don't know, think of a non-league team, Altrincham, comes up to BT Sport and says, oh, I think we should stream our games. I'm not going to listen if it's Ryan Reynolds with that platform they're more likely to listen and he's used that platform for the good of Wrexham and not just for the good of Wrexham but for the good of National League and I think you should be more appreciative of that. I've seen, I seen something interesting earlier in the week saying that Paul Mullen is actually one of the most famous footballers in the US right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. just through just through uh, Welcome to Wrexham and obviously all, a lot of eyes on the National League at the minute and Kemp's dead right for me. I, I think you, you take Reynolds and, and McElhenney out of that situation and no one, there's about what, 350 million people in America and I dare say not one of them have even heard of the National League. So the fact that all of a sudden there's a big spotlight on it and, you know, like Kemp says, these big celebrities with big platforms, it's, it's, um, you look at you like you got Twitter. Rod and Will Ferrell like in these exactly. local clubs in, in Wrexham. Exactly. Think about this. Think about this, Adam, right? You've had Wrexham against Chesterfield earlier on in this season, right? If that's in a streaming service, 
and there's loads of Americans watching Wrexham, right? And they're playing Chesterfield. What if some American goes, hey, I like this Chesterfield. I'm going to start following them. <laughs> Whereabouts in America is that guy from? Definitely Thank Louisiana, that. Louisiana, that. <laughs> Go yeah, Baton Rouge, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like that's an opportunity. And then they go on Chesterfield Club website, they order a shirt, that's fucking money for Chesterfield. And that's money you're exaggerating you can now, mate. You're exaggerating now. I think no, I think they're more likely to buy the Rex and shit to be fair. No, no, I'm I'm 100% with him on it. There's, that there's that more true? Ch- there's, there's more chance of it happening. No, I do agree. There's more chance of it happening now than there was five years ago before they took over. So yeah, and, and as daft as it sounds, there might even be someone watching from a place in Chesterfield in America. We all know that they copy our fucking town names and that. And they're Chesterfield, Massachusetts is a legitimate place. They, there yeah, you go then. So, oh, Chesterfield, Massachusetts. Oh, look, they're Chesterfield. I'll keep my, keep my eye on them. All of a sudden, it opens up, you see. So I, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's I think it's brilliant for the uh, session. Session. I think it's brilliant for the, uh, for the National League myself. I, I, I do agree, but... Uh... Adam, as stubborn as he is, probably uh, never He'll will. Never but, Good riddance. Yeah, we'll Good luck. To I, I, uh, I did have another question off the back of that, but it's completely gone, so let's not worry about it. Um, Aggie, last game of the season for Chessfield. I've picked them as my lot. They are playing bottom of the table. If they can't win that, they ain't got a chance in the playoffs. But uh, I suppose by the time we record this time next week, we'll uh, we'll know more and we'll discuss it. Either they'll have played a playoff game and they'll be out or through, or they'll be uh, gearing up for Sunday, uh, ready to play. But uh, all will be told in good time. So that's everything for football this week. A lot to cover because, as I mentioned at the start, we are approaching the business end of the season. But it is now time for Kempi to roll your sleeves up, mate. I'm going to go and grab a drink. I'm going to hand the reins over to you as we get ourselves stuck into the latest edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. Well, yeah, thank you very much, Dawson, and welcome back to Kempi's Combat Corner. It's it's not going to be as, as bumper an episode as we've probably had in the past, but there's a couple of things, a couple of fights that we do need to talk about on the back of the weekend's action. First one being Javonta Davis, Tank versus Ryan Garcia. Um, a fight that was really billed as one of the biggest fights in boxing, and, and actually, I think it, it lived up to the, uh, to the expectation. Um, a, a, a real, real clash of two world title contenders. Um, and, and it was a fantastic fight and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it personally myself. Um, tank is a he's a little tank. He's five foot three. Um, he is, they fought at a catch weight of, of 136 pounds. So they are on the lighter side of the divisions, but both undefeated fighters going into this fight. Uh, Tank Davis, 28-0, going into the fight with 26 KOs. Sorry, he's 5'5", five not 5'3". Five and Ryan Garcia is 23-0 with 19 KOs. Um, and yeah, it's um, it, it, it was a battle between two uh, world champions or former world champions. Tank Davis, WBA regular lightweight champion, and, 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 and uh, Ryan Garcia, the king, as he so calls himself. Uh, the former WBC interim lightweight champion. Um, and it started really well. It started with Garcia on the front foot, moving, switching, um, really twitchy, those fast twitch muscle fibres that Ryan Garcia is really known for uh, throughout his career, um, really putting the pressure on early doors, but also does leave himself open a little bit as well with that pressure. Um, and you saw that in the second round, I think it was, where um, Tank Davis caught him with a, an overhand right, um, that put Ryan Garcia down, put him on his arse, stung him a little bit. Um, and I think I said in the build-up to this fight that I think Ryan Garcia is a fantastic hammer. 
in the sense that when he comes forward and he's boxing well and he's fighting somebody that's, let's be honest, realistically not on his level, um, he's a fantastic fighter and, and one of the best in the world at the weight class. However, Tank Davis is a different proposition altogether. Um, and uh, Tank um, really, really did use his distance management perfectly well. He's, he's been under the tutelage of Floyd Mayweather for many, many years as Tank Davis. And you do see that in his fighting, um, in his IQ, in his distance management, in his ring awareness. As I said, Ryan Garcia is a fantastic hammer, chasing people around the ring and, and chasing them down, cutting off the corners and really putting the pressure on, using his speed and his power to his advantage. Um, but Tank Davis was too clever for it. Um, he was the more experienced man in there at the time. Um, and like I say, he he is under the tutelage of Floyd Mayweather, who, Mayweather, who is probably the most um, unbelievable defensive boxers uh, in the history of in, in the history of the game, if not the best. And his distance management was really the main reason for that. So definitely rubbed off on Tank, um, and and he dealt with it really well. Garcia couldn't really pin him down, and that's what Ryan Garcia wants to do. He wants to use his speed. He wants to pin you down. He wants to get you in a position where you can't escape, and use his fast combinations to put real pressure on you but unfortunately Tank Davis was just a little bit too clever for that and then Javonta Davis in the seventh round one minute 44 of the seventh round the fight was stopped with um, Javonta Davis winning by knockout um, he landed a fantastic body shot I think it was a liver shot into Ryan Garcia um, and una unable to answer the referee's count of 10 um, he took a knee which a lot of people outside of the boxing game and even in the boxing game will look at and think oh, he just went to his knees and he just quit. And to a certain degree, they might be right. Nobody knows apart from Ryan Garcia whether he quit or whether he didn't. Um, me personally, I have trained in a little bit of uh, boxing, not, not all combat sports, but I've done um, a fight camp for a charity fight in boxing that unfortunately never happened due to COVID. That's a different story. Um, but yeah, I, I have been hit with one of those body shots um, by a heavyweight as it happened. And you feel like you're, yeah, you can't breathe. Um, so I understand why Ryan Garcia uh, didn't get up after the referee's count of 10. Those shots really, really do take the wind out of you. It's not as if you're staggered or it's not as if you, 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 know, you, you can't see what you're doing and, you, and it's like a stunned motion, like a concussive um, event if you get hit in the head. If you get hit in the body, it's a real, you know, you feel like somebody's restricting you and, and, and bear hugging you almost and you can't catch your breath. So understand why Ryan Garcia couldn't answer the count of 10. It was a fantastic performance from both fighters. I think Ryan Garcia will be disappointed in his performance that he couldn't pin Tank Davis down, but ultimately that's what Tank Davis is just all about. He's that distance management um, that slow start, but actually when he starts getting into a rhythm and, and learns you and, and figures out your movement, um, he does get off, you know, to a, to a pretty unstoppable run of form. So, Massive fight in Las Vegas at the weekend. It, it was a, a really, really good showing. Um, and congratulations to Javonta Davis. And I'm sure he will be, well, relishing the pay packet that came with it. Um, back to more local events now. Uh, Shavkat Raknamov versus uh, Joe Cordina. Um, a fight that took place um, over the weekend as well. Both on the zone as well as the Javonta Davis and the Ryan Garcia fight. Um, Joe Cordina, a Welsh lad, uh, is a, a, a fantastic young fighter, undefeated, um, a former champion of the world. And some people might look at that and think, well, hang on a minute. How, how can he be undefeated and the champion of the world? Um, he was stripped of his title due to sustaining an injury. Um, but Joe Cordina did pick his belt back up at the weekend 
by beating uh, Shavkat Ragnimov by a split decision. I think it was a, a fair um, decision, most definitely. I, I'm very surprised because one of the judges did have Ragnimov winning by um, a considerable margin. I didn't see that. Cordina boxed really, really well off his back foot. Ragnimov is, is really a fighter that wants to put the pressure on and keep the pressure on and suffocate you. Um, similar, as I mentioned, to Ryan Garcia in that last, uh, in, in that, the, the, the other fight. But yeah, um, Joe Cordina, a little bit too clever for him. Really, really good movement. I, I do compare Joe Cordina's movement at times to, you, know, you look at these Ukrainians like Usyk and Lomachenko, where it's almost dancing, it's almost figuring out these angles and this movement that, that a lot of people don't see coming and can't, can't quite figure out. Um, and that seems to be, for me, what, what Joe Cordina is really, really good at. Getting in, getting out, distance management, using his ring awareness and, and making sure that he's just on the end of the punches, just out of range. And then if, if you throw a, a laboured shot, he'll come back to you and he'll fire a quick one over the top. And I think that's what Ratnimov was all about. I think he's a bit of a slugger. He'll come straight ahead and, and he'll stand right in front. He keeps his head sort of on the centre line. Um, and unfortunately, Joe Cordina, a little bit too smart and a little bit too clever to be beaten by that. So a great fight, a great uh, sort of domestic um, fight. And it's great that Joe Cordina is a, is a strong UK contender. And, and I'm, I'm sure Joe Cordina will want to ultimately win more world titles and unify the division, if not become undisputed at that weight. So a really, really good weekend for boxing. Um, mixed martial arts UFC a little bit quieter over the past couple of weeks but we have got some fantastic events coming up we did have at the weekend uh, Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades um, Sergei Pavlovich winning within the first round and he is looking like a real strong contender for the heavyweight championship against John Bones Jones in the near future so everybody keep an eye on him this weekend, we've got a bit of UFC action. We've got Son Yadong, a bantamweight contender against Ricky Simon, another bantamweight contender, as well as Adolfo Vieira against Cody Broodyarge and, uh, and a few other decent fights on the UFC card this weekend as well. So that's promising to be a good one. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. But I think with the UFC, the, the main attraction is going to be what happens next weekend at UFC 288 where we see the bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, against the returning Triple C, the former champion, the former two-weight world champion and Olympic gold medalist, Henry Triple C Cejudo. So keep an eye out and keep your ears pinned to the ground at listening to Loaded Sport and Kempi's Combat Corner, where we bring you all the fighting action as we get it. Dawson, back to you. Well, I'm just going to jump in as uh, Skins has had a bit of a power cut. So whilst he's had a power cut, I'm going to jump in and just talk about the Formula One, seeing as it's the thing that you two have the very least interest in that we talk about. Um, as we are back in the streets of Baku, as Formula One returns for its fourth race of the season. For those that aren't aware, Max Verstappen still leads the Formula One uh, season for drivers with 69 points. Sergio Perez then on uh, 54 points. Only Red Bull have won races so far this season and are a country mile ahead of Aston Martin and uh, Mercedes as well. Max Verstappen winning it last season, Sergio Perez the year before. So in my opinion, this is going to stick with a Red Bull theme. A lot of people, George Russell, one of the Mercedes drivers, also said that he thinks this season it is just going to be a case of Red Bull win every race. So it looks like it's going to be uh, business as usual uh, for Red Bull as things get back underway. And I think it's going to be a case of Max Verstappen goes on to win it as well. Um, I'm hoping Skin is back any moment now to go through the new uh, the new qualifying session. 
which it appears he is not. So uh, qualifying is changing ever so slightly uh, for for Baku, with um, a bit of a sprint race taking place, which we've seen uh, over the last couple of years as well. Shaking his head ever so slightly at me. Skin, can you hear us? Can you hear us? I'm back, mate. You're Don't back. know what happened there. Excellent. Good. So you can uh, you can discuss with me then a bit of the Formula One and, and of course, Baku. You're a Red Bull fan. The fact that they're winning uh, quite comfortably at the moment, both as constructors and with Max Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship. And, of course, back in Baku, where we both know that anything can happen. Right, that, uh, that castle on the corner is uh, is my kryptonite whenever we get online and play on the F1 game. But, yeah, it's uh, it's not a track for all-out racing. There's not really many overtaking opportunities. So I do think that sprint session and qualifying is going to be key to who comes out on top this weekend. But with the advantages Red Bull have got, I, I can't really see it being anything other than a, a Red Bull victory, whether that's Perez or Max, I'm not sure. But... Considering the type of track, it, it's got to be uh, it's got to be another victory for them this weekend. I think. Since the race started in 2017, we have had five races. Only two teams have actually won in uh, Azerbaijan. That is Red Bull and Mercedes. You've just said yourself you don't see that rhythm being upset. But do you think that if it's not going to be Red Bull, the closest to that is actually Aston Martin and not Mercedes? It has to be. Fernando's absolutely smashing it, isn't he? So uh, maybe it's the time he's, he's had a couple of podiums. Maybe it's the time for him to take that top step and, and have a bit of a shot this weekend. And your prediction, is it going to be Max Verstappen qualifying Max Verstappen race? Yeah, go on then. Why not? I'll, I'll revert back to Max. Well, you went for Lewis once, didn't you? And uh, that was probably off uh, my guidance and it didn't work. I don't think he even finished got top five, did he, in qualifying? Um, no, I, I've said Lewis, and then I changed to Max, but Lewis got a podium that race, didn't he? I'm sure he did. I'm talking about qualifying, mate, the, the qualifying session, because you've oh, been about right up until then. Yeah, who cares about that, mate? I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Max this weekend. All in on Max. I'll, I'm going to have to agree with you. I can't see a Red Bull in a, in a track that there's not too many overtakes. The fastest in qualifying is going to be Verstappen, and he's going to go on and win the race. That's fair, mate. That's fair. Well, I appreciate you picking up the reins for me there because uh, I had a bit of technical issues. I really hope it's not affected the recording, but we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? Uh, let's very quickly cover the darts, lads. We are now two weeks away from uh, attending the Premier League. Oh, darts. shit. And just like the football and just like every other sport we seem to be discussing at the minute, we are approaching the business end. Um, last week, Gerwin Price, another final, but we did have a new winner, Nathan Aspinall in Rotterdam. Sam, you shared the clip of, of his composure in, uh, against Michael Van Gogh in the hometown ball, the home country boy. What a, I think he deserved the win just for that moment alone, didn't he? Unbelievable moment. He got an absolute shit from the uh, the home crowd. Uh, he just give a give a deep breath as he uh, about to finish him off with the final dart. Got it, and he turned around and he gave it the crowd storm, which yeah, you, you always love to see. So yeah, it was fantastic moment for him uh, and his his development. I think he's he's also one of the players like uh, Clayton, who's who's coming on strong at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. So uh, as it stands, Michael Van Gogh is still top, but Gerwin Price is chasing him down with the the, the form that he's in at the moment, and. Uh, Tonight it is in Leeds, first direct arena, and there has been a shock. Aggie, I don't know if you've, you've seen, but we've we've given plenty of coverage of how much Peter Wright has struggled. But he's beaten Michael Van Gogh in six three in the uh, in the quarterfinals tonight, which uh, opens the door even more so for Gerwin Price, who beat the inform as you mentioned, Sam Johnny Clayton six two, so very comfortably. 
are we uh, are we about to see a new leader in the Premier League title race for darts? That is, Aggie. Um, I think so, and I think uh, when Gerwin Price takes top spot, it'll be very well deserved. He's the, like Sam says every week, he's the most informed man in darts at the moment. Like Kemp said at the very beginning, he's the guy that's going to go and win it all. And I find it very difficult to bet against him at the moment. If I knew then what I know now, I'd have probably gone for Gerwin Price myself as well. As it is, I went for Peter Wright. Yes, he's defeated Van Gerwin, but he isn't going to go on and win the, the darts Premier League. Hopefully he doesn't anyway, because I don't fancy dancing about with uh, my hair in a pink mohawk and a tattoo of a snake on the side of my head. Um, permanent one. Yeah, permanent yeah, permanent, one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, good to get a nice little win every now and then. He, he, he changed his darts, didn't he? He changed the weight of him. I think it was after like um, night eight, was it? He changed the weight yeah. of his darts back to something he'd used before um, this tournament. So he Went back to basics, up, didn't he? Had to go back, back to basics. basics. Got a few wins on under his belt as well. Got a bit of confidence there. I wouldn't bet against him making a late dash to get into the playoffs, but I think that the calibre of players that will still be in the playoffs at that point will just be too strong for him. Yeah, I think there's quite a bit too much for him to do himself to get into the playoffs. Like, as of right now, he's currently 5-1 down to Michael Smith. Michael Smith is probably my tip. I mean, it's cheating a bit, obviously, off at Darts has been played, but to, to probably win tonight, I think just looking, I've seen a bit of a clip of him absolutely smoking my boy Chris Doby in the, uh, in the opening quarters. Uh, and is in his smoking Peter right right now six uh, one against Doby and is winning is throwing now to win six one again against uh, Peter Wright. So uh, <laughs> I'm getting a bit of my own medicine here. Kemp is in background, bless him. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it looks like Michael Smith hit a little bit of a form here tonight, and I, I'd probably back him to see it through. But like you say, uh, uh, Gillian Price is in the in, also in the form of his life and. Probably will make a good final if he if he can beat Aspinall in his in his semi final. Yeah, Aspinall had his number last week. Going Price got a uh, instant opportunity to get that back. But lads, we are two weeks away from attending. Sam, I know you'll be leading the booze for Going Price because Kemp tonight is having a very successful night with the City Talk and now the Price Talk. But I am kind of glad that I had the technical difficulties because it me- it meant that we had to move the, uh, the bring the F1 chat forward. And I do have to very quickly get stuck into the main event of the weekend, which is NFL Draft Weekend. However, <laughs> there has been some potentially breaking and official news in the last few minutes. Apparently, according to, well, it's rap sheet, so it's going to be true. Lamar Jackson has finally agreed to terms on a deal that will eclipse Jalen Hurts' recent $255 million contract. Perfect time. To get that sealed and sorted just a few hours out from that first round, they now, you would assume, not have to worry about planning for the future of that first round pick. They can now look at that short-term success and what pieces they need to make a real push for a deep playoff run, if not a Super Bowl run this season. Sam, I'm going to start with you. Lamar has re-signed. How does that now change Ravens' approach to this weekend? Um, I don't think it changes a great deal. I think they've always publicly been out quite confident saying he's, he's going to re-sign so uh, I think I think that's what everyone fully expected I know he, he was talking to quite a few teams and no one was willing to really bite on on his uh, demands but it looks like the Ravens have finally been the first team to do that so credit to him obviously we know he hasn't got his agent he's got, he's got his old mama behind him um, and he's, it sounds like it's a solid deal for himself uh, it's it's been one of them sagas, hasn't it? It's just been going on. How long's it been going on now? Probably about eighteen months, really, since you know it first come about. Then he said he's not discussing his contract while he's playing football last season. And to be fair to him, he stuck to his word and he shelved it until the off season again. And 
and obviously here we are and it's, it's finally done it uh, a couple of hours outside of the draft so I think it's, it's probably a good deal for everyone involved getting your quarterback tied down nice and early for the draft um, and yeah I know uh, one of our mates uh, Liam obviously a big Ravens fan he's constantly chirping on about was wanting a, a, a D-hop to come over to sign for them and I, I do think he, he is going to need some help because uh, Ravens historically have never had a, a number one receiver and I think it's probably time that they did give, get him some help and maybe it is part of his negotiation and maybe that's why there's no coincidence it's, it's signed on draft night maybe they've told him something that potentially is whether it involves them trading up to take you know a, a wide receiver or anything like that so yeah it's, uh, it's exciting times and uh, we'll see we'll see what the Ravens do tonight yeah, and a huge quarterback news, but not the only huge quarterback news. I'll, I'll go straight on to the, the story that we were going to open the NFL segment with, but that news has dropped within the last five minutes, so we do it did need to be covered. But Sam, we'll stick with you, mate. The news that Aaron Rodgers has officially been traded to the New York Jets. We spoke about it the last couple of weeks. You, you've shared your thoughts. You've been very clear that Jordan Love is the short-term future, at least, and Aaron Rodgers' time as a Green Bay Packer is done. It's now official. You've joined tonight. Your, your name is Miss You, Aaron. You're wearing the Rogers jersey. So clearly a bit of a bittersweet moment. Now it is all said and done. It has brought you a lot of joy. So uh, now it's done, mate. Is there anything, like I did with Brady when he retired, is there anything that you want to say as Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers legend? Yeah, I mean, I've just uh, got his little picture up at the side of me here. It's, um, it's part of a stat I want to read out it's been soon. But yeah, I've uh, thought I'd done it tonight. I've got me, got me old, old away. Rogers jersey on maybe one last time as he becomes a jet. Uh, what a guy. What a guy he's been for our franchise. I mean, yeah, weird weirdness aside, one of the greatest to ever do it. Probably our greatest ever quarterback. Probably our greatest ever player, let's be fair. Um, he, he did have a couple of off-field issues. I'm not going to beat about the bush. He, he held us to ransom, you know, a couple of off-seasons in a row there, towards, especially towards the end. But you can't deny his talent. And there's one thing for sure, the New York Jets are getting a hell of a quarterback. And that's probably them. If they can keep him playing for a couple of years, that's them competing now for the next couple of years. And I'm talking Super Bowls. I don't mean for playoffs. I think if that much of a talent, he will elevate that entire roster. And he, his, his demands of players and, you know, how, what he, his standards, where he sets the bar, it just sets it for defence, special teams. Well, ironically, our defence special teams have been good for a couple of years. But yeah, he... Um, he raises everybody's ability in that building and is definitely going to be sorely missed in um, in the, the old green and gold. But the future's bright. We've got a, we've got Jordan Love. We've um, we've not we've not seen much of him. I've seen a, a bit of a cheeky stat as of last uh, last year. He, he was the only quarterback that had, had a minimum of twenty throws that had a QBR of over one hundred and fifteen. So uh, so there, there is there is that. There's been a bit of a spark with him when he has played, but. Let's uh, let let's see let's see how we go. It's uh, we're into the unknown as the the uh, the Frozen Two song goes. Uh, back back to back back to back Hall of Fame QBs with uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. It's been about thirty years worth of uh, great QB play. So I think now it's our time to finally, you know, we're in amongst it. We're back with the the normies at QB scrapping and trying to you know claw our way to just. Well, I, don't, I don't even know, you know, just to find a franchise QB. And I don't know if we're going to be lucky enough to drop straight on Jordan Love, but we'll see. But yeah, for Aaron Rodgers, what a what a, what a guy. Um, he'll, be, he'll be disappointed that he didn't bring multiple rings to, to suit, you know, to Green Bay. But 
his his legacy uh, will live live on long long past he does there. Yeah, definitely, and 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 that is now the past. And as you look into the future, what a perfect time to do that with the draft this upcoming weekend. Uh, at time of recording, we are a few hours out, as I mentioned already, from the first round draft. At time of release, the first round will have come and gone. Um, but it, as someone that's watched the draft for for many years, as as a lot of us have, it seems like a bit of a wild card this year. I, I do think Bryce Young is pretty much nailed in now as that number one pick. But from there, no. anything can happen. You know, it's, it's been pretty much nailed on. We thought that Texans will take a quarterback at two. Last 48, 72 hours, pretty much everyone is leaning towards them now, taking the defensive player with that first pick and looking towards quarterback with that second pick. Uh, picks up and down. Number three pick, do a team trade to get ahead of Colts. Who do Colts take? You know, you're pretty confident they're going quarterback. So I, I really do think we're in for a really good and, and really newsworthy first round. But uh, I, I very I released a TikTok earlier in the week, did really well in terms of the, the top 10 picks I thought would be at the time. Uh, Bryce Young at number one, which I know uh, Sam and, and I believe Kemp went for last week. We, we were tired on that, but I've, I've moved the chair, as I like to do, over mm-hmm. to your side. I do think Bryce Young is, uh, is, is going to be the first name off the board. Um, did have CJ Stroud, and again, a lot of people with inside knowledge and much you know, more contacts than me. And you only need one contact to have more contacts than me, but do seem to be leaning towards a defensive player. I just think that if you're rebuilding and with the draft capital that have got, you've got to start at quarterback. And if you've got the, the type of player like CJ Stroud there, I don't know why you wouldn't take him. But again, who knows? Uh, I had Will Anson going at three from Cardinals, but again, someone could trade up. Like I, I think even though I released that just a couple of days ago, I think other than Bryce Young, the, the other nine picks that I went for could be really blown open now. So it, just, it should just be on, a great Just watch. on that pick, there, was, there has been a lot of rumours today that they are looking to ship that that uh, that pick, pick three, uh, the cards uh, looking to potentially drop out of the out of the top 10. So yeah, that, that come out today that there's a strong possibility that they could uh, move out of the top 10. That makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, Kem, as a Giants fan, the last few years you've been used to, you know, if you wanted to get to bed nice and early, you can because Giants picks or multiple picks have been out of the way, but not so much Two the case. Two picks in the top 10, that, they were the days. Selecting Dexter Lawrence and all that <laughs> oh, kind of stuff. And DJ and the great first round that you had last year, but a little bit of a different approach this year. I think you're picking number 25 overall. So if you're staying up for it, you're going to be right into the deep end of the of the early hours of the morning. So uh, what are you hoping for? Is there a particular position that now, with just a few hours out, you really hope that, that they aim for? Well, one thing I'm going to have to do, unfortunately, is break tradition. I'm not going to be able to watch draft day today and tonight because uh, I'm going to be going straight to sleep after we've recorded this so that I can hopefully stay up the New York Giants pick at number 25. Um, uh, I've, I've said it before, I'm looking for a wide receiver. I, I really think we need more options. I, I saw that we may potentially look at a running back if there's still a decent one on the board, but obviously with the with the uncertainty of, over, say, Quan Barkley's future. Um, I think that's not as big an issue as a lot of people are making out. I do think Saquon will suit up for us this season. Um, and I do think that, that he will play. So that wide out position is really what we're looking for. Um, and, and it's just nice to not be in a position where, you know, we've got 
so many things and so many issues to fix, like a Texans or whatever. That's usually us. Um, so it's nice to be on the other side of it. A couple of tweaks, you know, a bit of intelligence in the free agency um, and, uh, and and the Giants hopefully on for another good season. But for me, I am now, I am like the rest of you boys. I am just looking more for other teams rather than I am for ours. Um, I think CJ Stroud personally will be the best quarterback of this, of this draft class. Um, I think he will surpass Bryce Young in his NFL career. Um, I think his attributes, he's six foot three as opposed to Bryce Young's 5'10". Kyler Murray obviously is a smaller quarterback as well, and I don't think has adapted to the league as probably a lot of what people, you know, as well as people probably thought. Um, so I, I personally think CJ Stroud is there, right there for the Texans to take. And I would be very surprised if they did. Well, I say very surprised. I would be not surprised if they did it, but I don't think it's the right decision, if that makes sense. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, Will Anderson's obviously a shout for the Texans if they do want that. I do believe Bryce Young is going to be the first overall pick, as, as we've said. Um, but then after that, I've heard quite a few people say it's a bit of a wild card this year. And, and ultimately, as fans of the draft and as fans of the NFL, that's what you want. We don't want to be here saying, right, he's definitely got number one, he's definitely going to go at number two, and he's definitely going to go at number three. We want it to be, oh, fucking hell, what's happened there? That's what we want as fans. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. And uh, really looking forward to hopefully getting a couple of hours sleep in so that I can stay up for the Giants pick. Fingers crossed. We'll see, mate. We'll get a Red Bull down here. And Aggie, the, the man with two first-round picks this year, picking at five, picking at 20. You, you've spoke about potential for quarterback, defensive player, all that. And I asked, I asked you all to prep three names that realistically you hope you'll be able to pick at your positions. Five and 20, who are, who are the players that you hope are called out when the, those picks come? Um, for the fifth pick, my first hope, although it's looking unlikely, is Will Anderson. I've thought at five it's realistic because if the cards do move out, they're going to swap with someone like the Titans. They're going to look for a QB, which means he's going to fall further. But then obviously it came out that the Texans are going to look other than QB at number two overall, which means they're probably going to go Will Anderson. If they don't, they're going to go for uh, Tyree Wilson, who's my second choice. Um, another player that stood out and a lot of people haven't gone top five, top six. And then there's the inevitable Jalen Carter that we probably will end up taking at some point. And it's only his off-field antics that have really worried me since, of course, the combine and all the news came out and his, his lack of effort. But again, a lot of people have pointed in the direction of Pete Carroll being that sort of head coach that can get his head straight back on the straight and narrow and, and focusing on the NFL. And we need some help in, on our defensive line. So he's going to be one of those forces that if we can get him back focusing on his football and, and working hard like he did in college, I think we've got a great player that we could pick up at number five. But any of those three I'd be happy with. Uh, number 20, I only wrote two names down, and that is Nolan Smith or Anthony Richardson. Now, a lot of people have mentioned about Richardson going earlier in the draft. Um, I know at one point we were linked quite heavily with taking Hendon Hooker in the, uh, in the third round. He's moved up now to maybe even being a first-round prospect, but... Richardson, if he does fall down to 20th, I think we've got to take him. Sit him for a year behind Gino, maybe put him in towards the back end if, if we're in a good position or if everything's already sewn up or done for, maybe for the last game of the season. Let him sit behind Gino for a year. He's got a lot of experience sitting behind some uh, talented quarterbacks before getting the starting job himself. Next season, or the season after, if you will, just depending on how you look at it, start Richardson, and that's our quarterback for the future sorted. If not, Nolan Smith. I mentioned the similar sort of thing with Will Anderson two very talented linebackers. We've just signed Bobby Wagner back. Can you imagine any of those two sitting behind Bobby Wagner for a year 
learning a lot about the lineback position and one of the best to do it in recent years and then going out there and being the starter for the following year. So we've got, we're in a very good position. It's very exciting. But then you look at people's mock draft and like you've said to me many times, it's just what people think. I've seen us trading back from fifth. I've seen us trading up from 20th. We, I, I don't know me head from the arse what's going on tonight, but that's the best thing about it, I guess, isn't it? It is. And, and Sam, that brings me on to you there with not knowing what's happening. You've now got the 13th pick as opposed to 15th as part of that Rogers trade. You've got two very early uh, second round picks as well, I believe 42 and 45. Yeah. What do you think will uh, get a bigger pop out of you in the early hours? Would it be taking a wide receiver after all these years or at some point between that first and 13th pick, seeing that a trade has been made when oh, Green Bay Packers logo shows up? Yeah, it's the trade up always. It's always a pop in it for the trade up. So it, it'd have to be that. Um, yeah, I think I, I do think with our pick thirteen, I think we go for Jackson Smith and Yigba. I think um, it's just absolute sod's law that all them years we've never drafted Rogers a number one receiver. Literally the the week we trade him, we also draft the number one first pick receiver. I just think it's written in the stars. Uh, backup picks. I mean, I probably think all three of these would potentially be off the board by the time that we get to 13, but Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky, or as you said earlier, um, Broderick Jones, I think any of them three tackles, uh, I'd, I'd be happy for us to take, which is not the sexy pick, but it's definitely a pick that's, that's necessary. But yeah, I'd be I'd be more than happy for us to uh, to go with the, 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 the top receiver on the board, which is something that I, I have never, ever known Green Bay have the chance to do, in obviously without having to trade up further. Um, obviously, when I, I had my little chat there about Rodgers, I did actually forget to mention the the haul we got got for him. And like you've mentioned, it's it's, it's given us an extra second round pick this year and a, and a potential first round pick as well next year. So yeah, I know there was a couple of a couple of scoffs at the trade, but I I personally think that um, that we, that we've come out of that trade really well. You know, it's it's taken a big financial burden off our books as well. Yeah, Just to definitely. jump in quickly, and I know you mentioned a couple of names. I, I'm conscious of the fact that I didn't give you any names. So realistically, I've seen a couple of mock drafts, and I think the best ride receiver that will fall to us um, would be Quinton Johnson. Um, really, really physical, six foot three, two hundred eight pound wide receiver. Definitely would not want to be a cornerback playing against him at Riddins. Um, ideally, I've seen a, a bit of tape on Jordan Addison. Um, looks like a pretty nimble, pretty nifty wide receiver there that we potentially pick up, um, but I don't think he will quite fall as far as 25th. So Quinton Johnson um, is probably where I would say that I would like the Giants to go, but we will see Dawson. Sorry for jumping in there. You are, mate. I was going to come back to you, so you're absolutely fine. But yeah, it would be nice to see an exciting pick and, and DJ have another option. With the Patriots, I'm really not sure. Picking 14th overall... <sighs> It would be the Bill Belichick thing to go tackle. I do think he will, and I do, for, for once, I actually agree with it. We, we do need to shore up the offensive line, but defensive back or wide receiver I would also like as well. But, uh, yeah, I think there's any number of ways that the Patriots could go, and to be honest, I'd be quite happy with. So I'm not I'm not too fussed this year on, uh, on particular names that I'd like to see as opposed to other years where I think he's going to get a defensive tackle again. It's a boring pick. I'm sick of it. I think this year it is the right thing to do, so... I would be happy with the majority of it until he picks someone that's like the 62nd ranked prospect and he's taken them at 14th, but uh, we'll see. Um, Sam, have you got any uh, bold predictions for the evening? Uh, quick change there, that's going to wow some people, but is there, are there any bold predictions, any teams that you could potentially see trying to jump in late at the first round if there's a quarterback still sat there like a, mm-hmm. a Levis or a Hendon Hooker? Someone like that who you know might shock everyone that they've tried to get that quarterback and take the uh, the fifth year option. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest uh, biggest shock I think Peter Schrager highlighted it on his mock mock two point It's um, Tennessee Titans trading with Arizona at three and moving up to take CJ Stroud. And I, I am with Kemp actually on the fact that um, it's the consensus that Bryce Young will go number one. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's quite uh, known amongst the league, and that probably would actually be the biggest surprise if he didn't go number one. Uh, but I think CJ Stroud has the um, the fundamentals to be the you know the 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 prototypical quarterback in in the NFL. He's got the size, you know, he's got the arm strength. I think he could be the one. I think Kemp's right. I think he's got a higher ceiling, uh, more longevity. Sam, do you agree with me on CJ Stroud that he could potentially at his very very highest level top top ceiling? Could he be a little bit Mahomes esque, perhaps? Mm, uh, I don't. I don't like to make. I mean, Mahomes is a probably a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. That's what so. I mean, though, in terms of CJ Stroud's ceiling. I'm not saying that he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, but from what I've seen from him, if he does everything right and he's the absolute best quarterback that he could ever be, I don't know if it's my naivety or not being as big fans as you and being as experienced as you guys. But I, I, I do see that potential maybe coming off if if he can get himself in that position. I might be wrong. Yeah, I, I'd probably not go that far up for, for me, for myself. Um, I'd probably go more somewhat like a Cam Newton, but maybe with slightly less um, mobility in his early days. He's got the build for it, the frame, um, but he has is, is more more of a static QB than that. But yeah, no. He's, uh, he's definitely got a, a high ceiling. If, whether it's higher than uh, Bryce Young or not, obviously we'll, we'll find out in a few years' time. But I, I am definitely on your side there where I think he's uh, probably going to, when it's all said and done, give him five years in the NFL, I think Shroud will be the one that's got the stats compared to Bryce Young. In terms of uh, current player comparisons, I think I'd put Stroud more alongside a Joe Burrow type. Um, yeah. he can move if needed but that's not his sort of go-to he's very confident in the pocket his accuracy is top-notch so I think if you put him with the right squad they've got pieces around him Titans are definitely going to be sort of looking at options I'm sure Tannehill not exactly on a team-friendly deal and he's coming to the end of it Vrabel being a, a Buckeyes legend having those links uh, Ryan uh, I can't remember surname's Day I believe but he, he works at Buckeyes and, and he's Ryan basically Day, yeah. Ryan Day yeah. he, he's very close to Mike Vrabel and he is CJ Stroud's biggest fan from what I've seen. So I'm sure there's been plenty of conversations and look at draft boards and, and seeing if the potential, if Stroud's still there at three or maybe even drops a little bit further, Titans might look at, at jumping up. But uh, yeah, it, it really is a, a wild card first round. I think that you said at camp earlier about the last few years, you've, you've kind of, you, you never know for definite, but you've been pretty confident on what positions teams will go, what specific players they'll go. And outside of Bryce Young, it, really anything can happen over the next few hours. So I'm sure it's going to be very newsworthy. There'll be plenty of conversations between us throughout the night and, and tomorrow as well. And uh, next week when we try and unravel it all, because we've only spoke about the first round. We were talking, you know, you've got the second round where potential first round picks drop and there's so much that's going to happen in the National Football League over the next few days and, and squads pad themselves out and, Kempers, you, you as a Giants fan, are you happy with the players they've taken? And, and Aggie with and, and Sam with all the draft picks that you've got this year, are you happy with the positions that they've focused on? Or there's going to be someone disappointed. Is it going to be Tina as a Bears fan, really not happy with who they've taken at number nine? You never know what can happen over the next few hours and over the next few days. So uh, me as a fan, you know what I'm like with the draft. I absolutely love it. But I think tonight is is going to be right up there with the one of the most newsworthy and, and exciting first-round drafts that we've had as a, a bunch of friends watching it together. 
Absolutely. Aggie, have you got your mock draft done, mate? Um, yeah, I've got as far as the, the Steelers. Who are okay, give it... So I've got go a couple still to look at. Okay, who have you got? Uh, who have you got? Sam, Sam's Packers taken at thirteen. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, baby, I'd be happy with that. Um, to guess where one. you're you're going with this, I have got the Patriots taking Broderick Jones, and I currently haven't got as far as the Giants, which will please come. Never heard that before, have you? He's, he's working his way down draft. He's done Packers. He's done Patriots. He's not at Giants yet. Tell you what, it's been a while, and it can. Unheard of that. So you get for having to go to quarterback, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know, mate. He retired, didn't he? So uh, can't be a big fan anymore. Um, but anyway, lads, bit of a bumper episode. Plenty to be uh, covering. I'm sure next week will will be even more so uh, as we unravel all this and more. Um, but as always, enjoyed it. Enjoy your weekend and uh, enjoy the draft. Cheers, boys. Peace out, baby. Let's go. Let's have it.